Thank you for listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from one of our Kingdom Conferences. Let's keep hearing the Lord say it's time for an upgrade. And as just I'm going to go a prophetic symbol here, a sign, but our lights this morning could not figure out what color they wanted to be. Without us touching the board, they keep going through. What I heard the Lord say specifically is, um, it's a changing of all the seasons. So if you found yourself in a summer season, he's changing to a different season. If you found yourself in a winter season, he may be changing you into a spring season. I just feel like the Lord is saying, it doesn't really matter what season you've been and he's changing you into the season that the kingdom is now. He's bringing everyone into alignment with the now thing that he's doing. So there's no going to longer be, well, that's not my season. No, it actually is your season right now because it's the season the Lord is bringing for his bride and his church all at the same time. And if we're going to sing a song that says, this is holy ground, my heart is yours, we need to be comfortable with really believing that our heart is all his. And to seek first the king and his kingdom means he's in charge. It's all for his glory. It's all his will. And so at this scene right now, there's an upgrade that's coming, and it's the upgrade that Isabel and Thrawn have already been releasing, an upgrade in your thinking, moving from human perspective to heavenly perspective. But what I see in the room right now is this, and it's going to be an intentionality of your heart to shift gears. I just hear the Lord say, I'm not going to grind your gears to make you shift. You're going to have to make an act of your will to press the clutch and let him shift. For those who've never driven a standard, ask your parents. It'll make sense. So this is pray with me right now. Lord, we just say we're, the yes of our heart is for the season of the kingdom now. Shut. He will. It's the season of the kingdom now. Just say it with your heart. This is the season of the kingdom now. And as an act of my will, I come into alignment with what you're shifting me into. And I give you full permission to move me into any gear you want to, any mode that you want to. Ah. (laughs) I just see the dial on the car. Some of you are going to an eco mode. He's moving you for the long haul. There's others of you that found yourself in the mountains. He's like, don't be afraid of the mountains. I'm putting you into off-road mode, and you're going to climb right over that mountain. So we just say yes. And we just declare this right now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give him one more shout of praise. All righty. So stand up one more time. Y'all get all comfy, bro. Come on now. We stand to honor, right? And this is the thing. No matter who it is, we're going to honor because we know that God's doing something special. So I want you all just give a really incredible welcome to them as they come to minister. Oh, 100%. Yes. And once you extend out your hands as we're going to pray over them. Kelly, why don't you come on up? We just bless what you're doing right now, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for a freshness. I just is about to say, it's just like there's, even this, the lights were changing, like there's a freshness that's coming for you. 
not just to you for what you're going to give us, but I just feel like specifically in this part of the brain, like there's a freshness that's being released to you. And so we just say thank you, Father, for what is being released to them, for them. We just say more. Lord, we honor who they are in the kingdom. We receive them in the name of whom heaven says they are. As a beloved daughter and a beloved son who also fathers and mothers in the kingdom, Lord, we just bless them, Lord. Have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good afternoon. You didn't expect that I would be speaking today, did you? <laughs> so everyone who wants to go home, go home now. <laughs> so how did you guys sleep last night? You had a good night's sleep? Yeah? That's nice. Anybody had uh, godly dreams? Godly dreams, anyone? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He always comes through, doesn't he? Yes. yes. And we prayed for babies. Yeah. Anybody make a baby last night? <laughs> Come on. I had to. I just had to. Come on. <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> well, church is supposed to be fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, now let's get serious. We're in church now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were in a country in Europe this year. Wasn't it this year? And uh, we met a beautiful couple. They were pregnant with triplets. And it was a non-assisted pregnancy. It was a natural pregnancy. Triplets. That's quite amazing. And uh, the parents were really concerned because the doctors had told them <clears throat> that one of the triplets was probably not going to make it because uh, the uh, two others were taking too much of the nourishment that the third one would probably not survive. And they asked us to pray for them. So we prayed for them. We laid hands on them and prayed for them. And then they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, what happened? The child is well now, and there's no problem in the pregnancy. I think they are two months old now, all three of them. You know, isn't the Lord amazing? Isn't he amazing? The Bible tells us that he knows us even before we were born, even before we were conceived. So in the mother's womb, he knows us, and we are his, and he is interested in our lives. Like Isabel was sharing yesterday, last night, that the Lord met her when she was in her mother's womb, called her when she was in the mother's womb. <clears throat> so that's our beautiful Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. He's interested in our lives. <sighs> even before we were born. So uh, I would just like to tell you a little bit about myself. First, how I got to meet Jesus, the love of my life, Jesus Christ, 
whom I love more than anything in this world. He's my best friend. He walks with me. He loves me. He takes care of me. He holds my hand throughout life. He is with me in every everything in my life. And uh, I used to be more of a wisecrack than I am today. <laughs> I used to believe that I knew everything. I still do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then I married her and whoops, that went out the window. Now God gave me a beautiful wife. I'm so lucky and so proud of my wife. You know, I love hunting. Amen. Yeah. But I can't, <laughs> I can't hunt anymore because my wife says, if you go hunting, I will pray for the animals to escape. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Come again. <laughs> yeah, I used to know everything, but I still do. <laughs> what I don't know, I've just recently forgotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I have one brother in the <laughs> You know, a good friend of mine, he got saved 30-something years ago. And he started telling me about Jesus Christ. And... Me, Mr. Noah Dahl, thought he was crazy. And I, th I thought, man, you're, you're nuts. You're nuts, uh, Jesus. You know, yeah, maybe he was one day walking the earth or what? Now he's in heaven, so don't tell me that you're walking with him today. But he was very persistent, and he came for a visit every other weekend, sometimes every weekend, to tell me about Jesus. And uh, I always... I was going to figure out questions to ask him that would, you know, I would outsmart him. And uh, one thing that he always did when I thought I was really smart, he just looked me in the eye and he said, Thrawin, when I asked him a stupid question, and he said, Thrawin, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I know what I have. And that really got me. How can someone, how can it be that someone doesn't feel the need to protect or defend what he has? That really struck me. It must be genuine if he doesn't feel the need to defend it. That really touched me. So then he told me about, you know, the sinner's prayer and what the Bible says, you know, you have to confess that Jesus is Lord and ask him to forgive you. And uh, I started reading books about uh, people who had gotten saved, about their testimonies. And uh, all of them said the same thing. You have to pray the sinner's prayer. So I said to myself, okay, if this is real, I want it. If not, I have got nothing to lose. So I'm going to pray. If it's real, I'll get saved. I'll have Jesus. If not, i got nothing to lose. So I prayed. Nothing happened. But I was not convinced. So I prayed again, and nothing happened. I read more, prayed more. Nothing happened. But something within me 
I was not fulfilled. I needed the answer. I knew I, knew I didn't have the answer yet. At that point in my life, I was a sailor. My background is I'm a firefighter EMT. I used to be in that industry for 30 years, and I, I, I taught firefighting and, and medical care for 25 years. But at that point in my life, I was at sea, uh, working as a sailor, and uh, on a freighter, on a container freighter ship. And one day or evening, when I was off my shift, I was uh, in my cabin, going to sleep, lay in my bed, and I decided, okay, let's pray once more. See what happens. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, the Bible says, you have to believe that Jesus rose, and that, that the Lord raised him from the dead. And I realized I didn't believe. So I made the conscious decision to believe. Like Isabel was telling us yes, last night, we have to make, sometimes we just make a conscious decision to believe. So I made this conscious decision, I am going to believe. And then I prayed again. And then someone walked into my room. I mean, I don't know how I knew it or what, but someone walked through the door into my room on board the ship. And the room was filled with peace and love like I have never, ever experienced in my life before. And then I felt physically someone laying on top of me, hugging me, and I heard these words, Thrawin, I love you just the way you are. That's the day I met Jesus. That's how I met Jesus. Then I just fell asleep. And... It, this supernatural experience was natural for me at the moment when it was happening. And I woke up next day or after, for the next shift and my life was changed forever. This was not a single experience in my life. This has happened on multiple occasions since then. That Jesus has come, revealed himself to me, hugged me again. That's who he is. That's the Jesus of the Bible. And the best thing is, I'm nothing special. I'm just like you. I'm just like anyone else. He is special. He is the one who is special. And the Bible teaches us he loved us first. He doesn't need us. We need him. And like Isabel said yesterday, he has no favorites. I'm not his favorite. We can say we are all his favorites, or we can say he has no favorites. He died equally for everyone who is walking this earth. Yeah. Equally. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. I thought I knew it all. I thought my own wisdom would get me through life. But he just showed me how foolish that is when I got saved, my own wisdom. And you know, 
sometimes it's uh, it's really difficult for us or me at least to completely comprehend what actually happened on the cross when he died for us on the cross. You know, this young man, Jesus Christ, he was a man. He was fully man and fully God. We often forget to see him as a man because he became a man. Therefore, being fully man and fully God, he was about 33 years old. He was tortured and killed. A young, innocent man who hadn't done anything bad, only good. And you know, the day they took him, I often think, you know, before he was crucified, he was captured and he was tortured, and he probably didn't sleep for 24 hours or more, being constantly tortured. I know if I don't get my sleep, I get very grumpy. You don't want to be around me if I haven't slept. But he was tortured, he didn't sleep, and uh, he was mocked, and then they took him and uh, made him carry his own cross to the place where he was crucified. And as he was, as they were crucifying him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Can you imagine being a man, not only fully God, but fully man, a young man, having to go through all of that and saying, Father, forgive them. At the same time, he had two robbers, one on each side, and he, he even forgave them when they asked. That's who our Jesus is. That's what he did for us. But the main thing is here, for me, the biggest thing is, nobody took his life. He gave it. He gave his life. It was not taken. He gave it purposely so you and I might live. Let us never forget where we came from before we got saved. Let us never forget what he did for us on the cross. Like I said yesterday, people are dying, or the day before, people are dying every day and going to hell. We cannot let that happen. We cannot let that happen. Prophetic evangelism is beautiful. It's really, really beautiful to evangelize with the gift of, of, of prophecy. You know, I was once... Uh, I was once in Pakistan ministering. I do a little bit of ministry in Pakistan. I was ministering to a, in a school, to a school teacher. And uh, the Lord, as I was praying for her, the Lord told me what she had been praying for. And uh, gave me the answer to her prayer. She had been praying for her husband, who had left her. And he had moved to another city and was living with another woman. And uh, that evening after I prayed for her, she called her husband with a prayer answer. 
and her husband broke down, got saved over the phone, came back, and the Lord restored the family. Just because the Lord released the word in her, into her life because of her prayers. And uh, that's prophetic evangelism in action. It's, it's so beautiful to see that. And, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes when we, when we prophesy, we are not, or now, not, okay, let me, let me rephrase. Let me tell you about myself when I started prophesying. When I knew very early on after I got saved that the Lord was calling me into full-time ministry. I started having visions and dreams very, very early after I got saved. All kinds of visions, all kinds of dreams, and seeing all kinds of things in the spirit. I didn't understand anything what was going on. I, I understood nothing. I thought it was crazy. And uh, I had no one to talk to. Where I lived up in uh, Iceland, there are only 340,000 people who live there. I know them all except two. <laughs> it's a small country. <laughs> so it was, you know, difficult to talk to someone who, who I felt understood me. But the Lord, he's so gracious. He's so gracious. Yeah, it was really, really difficult to understand what was happening and all of that. But what I have used when I feel now I'm yeah when I feel that I'm um, the Lord is giving me a word for someone, what I use as a um, measuring stick for my because I know that I sometimes am nervous about okay is this my own flesh? Is this really the spirit? Am I really? supposed to say this? Am I making this up? Am I just seeking attention? Do I want to be the super Christian in the group and be super spiritual? All of this nonsense going on in my head. That's the enemy trying to discourage us. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord, when he was teaching me, and he is, still is, of course, um, he said, Trauen, go to that person over there. I have a word for that person. I want you to release a word from me to that person. I said, sure, okay. What's the word? I heard nothing. And on several occasions, I, I said this. I didn't hear anything, so I just kept back. And then once when I asked, oh, what's the word? And then he said, I am not the God of gossip. Why should he tell me if I'm not going to go? That's gossip. Isn't it? That's gossip. And on my behalf, it's a lack of faith. So then I started going. And when I came to the person, then he gave me the word. And if I, if I, now I'm talking in a practical sense, if I am not sure if you feel that the Lord is giving you a word for someone or you have a prophecy, uh, what I use as a measure, measuring stick for myself is that if I'm not sure and what I'm going to say 
might hurt someone, and I'm not sure, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Uh, if what I'm going to say, I'm not sure, and it's not going to hurt the person, if I'm wrong, I will say it. Because then I will only look like a fool. So what? So what? I'm the world champion in making mistakes in the prophetic. I have made more mistakes than all of you together can ever make, I think. But that's part of the process when you're growing in a gifting is being willing to make mistakes for the Lord. But to protect the people around me, I must submit to authority in my church, whether I like it or not. I must submit to authority in my church to protect the people in the church from me. Because I'm only human and I can make mistakes. So, like I said, if, if I would, uh, yeah, if I say something that might hurt someone and I'm wrong and the person gets hurt, that can be devastating. But if I don't say something, then I may be robbing someone of a blessing. So it's always a question of faith and boldness and being willing to make a mistake. And the best thing is to have mature pastors and leaders in the church that you trust, that you can lean onto and ask them. Let me give you two examples from my own personal experience. <clears throat> Once the Lord told me there's a pedophile coming into the church, into the children's ministry. Be aware. That's part of the prophetic. That's what is called the watchman's anointing. When the Lord, give, when the Lord gives a warning to a church or to a, or to a person, someone may come to you and give you a word of warning. That would be the watchman's anointing. So I was really, really afraid what would happen. So I went to the pastors in the church and told them, and we prayed together. And uh, they said, oh, we have two new people coming into the children's ministry. And I said, aha, that's them. We have to be careful. But the pastor said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm, we're, not, we're not convinced. We're, no, we don't think you're right on this one. It's, it's not them. We don't believe it's them. So with that, I went away. And when those two people came into the church to do the children's ministry, I was always, you know, I was like the, uh, I was the spiritual police. In the, yeah, I was always you know, looking out, where are they now? What are they doing? I was convinced it was them. I was convinced, but I was wrong. I was wrong. And thank God, I had pastors I could go to and pray with. I also, I was in a, another ministry in Iceland, doing ministry with another group. We were in the same building on other days. We were on Monday nights, church was on Sunday. In that ministry, a sexual predator came. 
few months later, preying on the women in the church. So we could stop that and intervene immediately. So the word I got was right. My interpretation was wrong because I got caught up in my own emotions because of what I saw. So that's how important it is to have mature leaders and share with them because uh, that's why we have the fivefold ministry in the churches to look out for each other. You, you see the five fingers we have, most of us, on our hand? If one is missing, let's say the thumb is missing, the apostle is missing, it's very, very hard to grab onto something. So we have to have them all together to function properly. Okay, let's take another example. I told you I would tell you two examples, just regarding the prophetic. We were soaking, once we were soaking in a church, and the way we do it, we did it at that point. Uh, I walked around and prayed for people as they were soaking silently, either by just touching their shoulder or maybe touching their ankle or something. As they lay on the floor, everyone was, of course, aware of that, that it would happen. And when I touched one woman, when I was praying, I touched her ankle to pray. The Lord gave me a vision of a young child in diapers, running alone on a beach, crying lonely all alone. And the feeling, then I, then I saw in that vision, I saw Jesus come to that woman and touch her heart with a healing oil. And I was really startled. And I walked and prayed for everyone else, about 30 or something people there. And then I came back <clears throat> to that woman, prayed for her again. Boom, the same vision. So I was really scared. What does this vision mean? What do you guys think? Any suggestions? Come again? She was, she was with a baby. She, she, she lost the baby. She was the baby. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. She had a baby. For me, it meant that she lost a baby. For me, the vision was okay. Her child died. Because I could sense her hurt, I could see Jesus come and touch her heart. What would happen if I would ask this woman, did you lose a child? If I'm wrong. You never ask a mother, did you lose a child, if you're not 110% sure. So you see the amount of damage I could have done prophetically to that woman if I was wrong. What if I'm right? Then what? You see, it's not always easy, is it? 
But the best thing is, we always have Jesus to go to and ask, Lord, help me. Help me to deliver the word in the right way that you want me to deliver it. Which is what I did. So I ended up after the service, talked to her and her friend. She was from South America, this woman, living in Iceland at the time, working in Iceland. And I started a conversation with them and uh, just, you know, asked, do you have a family? And then she started crying immediately when I asked that. And she said, yes, I have a little boy that I had to leave behind back home in South America when I came to Iceland to work. And I miss him so much, I cry myself to sleep every night. Then I could tell her the vision, that the Lord came during my prayer for her and touched her heart and anointed it with healing oil because he knows your sorrow because how much you miss your child. And she was so blessed. She was walking on air when she left. You see how thin a line it can be between damage and a blessing. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful. We need to be bold, but we need to be careful. And if you're not sure, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Am I boring? <laughs> you know, it's so, yeah. Let's go back to Pakistan. Let me tell you another story from Pakistan. In, uh, uh, once when I was there in uh, doing a service, a young, a young wo a woman came to me. Okay, let, let me give you a little background. I asked the pastor who I was ministering with not to tell me anything what happens in the services while I'm there. Just ask the people after I have left what happened in two weeks, wait for two weeks to ask them what happened. And please send me an email and tell me what happened. Don't ask them directly in the service or after the service because we Christians, we tend to hype things up and, you know, or in Iceland, I, I know you don't do it here, hype things up and, and exaggerate a little bit. The Lord doesn't need that. No. So he, he did that, bless him, and two weeks later, I got an email. And there was a woman who came to me in one of the services with a small bowl, something, uh, if I may, something like this. And she had something like a, it was like a pudding or something in it, and she asked me to bless it. And I looked at it, and it was a really, really strange request. So sure, I'll, I'll, I blessed it. And she went away, and then a young boy came. He had a bottle of water, asked me to bless the water, which I did. And many other things that happened. But in that email, he said, you know the bowl that you blessed? That was food for a cow. The cow was sick. The woman went home and fed the cow, and the cow got healed. 
Now I'm a heavenly veterinarian. And, you know, in my arrogance, I got angry. Lord, what are you doing? Healing a cow? What's going on here? And you know what he said? He said, Thrawen, this woman is mine. That cow is her livelihood. The milk that this cow gives her is her livelihood. That's why I healed the cow, because he asked me to. And then he said, Thrawen, if you would lose your job, which is your livelihood, and you would ask me to give you another job, wouldn't I do it? So who am I to put God in a box? And in my pride, try to, you know, God, you don't do this. We don't, we don't, you, you, you don't do this. The boy that asked me to bless a bottle like this of water. He took it home and his father drank it and he was diabetic and he got healed. <clears throat> That's Jesus of the Bible. That's our Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's the love of my life. That's who he is. He's interested in everything. You know, in one country in Eastern Europe, I was in a service there was probably maybe eight people all of them were elderly very very poor ladies and they came up for prayer afterwards and one of them said will you pray for my friend she is paralyzed she's home in bed she can't walk she's paralyzed and i said no i will not pray for your friend and uh, I didn't know at the moment why I said that, but all of a sudden I realized why. And I said, I will pray for you that the Lord will anoint your hands and you go home and pray for that lady and she will get healed. Two years later, I came to that same country. This is one of the poorest countries in Eastern Europe. And the pastor told me, you know what happened? She went home and she prayed for her friend and she walked. Isn't the Lord funny? I love, this is one of the things I love about him because nobody can take credit for that except him. Nobody. That's the reason why he said pray for her hands. Don't pray for her because I am going to anoint her hands and that anointing is going to heal her. That's our God. That's why it's really strange for me when I read Psalm 22, where the Lord is talking about his own crucifixion. And uh, one of the things he says in that psalm, in verse 6, Psalm 22, verse 6, Jesus says, but I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. How can our Lord call himself a worm? I found that really, really strange when I read this. God himself, Jesus Christ, who is fully man and fully God, calls himself a worm. 
But you know, in the in the Hebrew, worm is tovlath. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, which means a purple worm. And that worm, what it does when he dies, he basically reproduces himself. And the new, so to speak, the new worm eats the body of the dead worm. Three days later, what is left turns into white wax that is stuck to the tree. And our sins are washed away and we are made completely white because of the one who was nailed to the tree. And what is left of that substance is also used when this worm dies is also used for medication to regulate our heart. Who heals our heart? Who not only takes away our sins, but also heals our heart? Jesus Christ calls himself a worm. This is why. This is why. And you know, the Bible also teaches us that the bones in his body were not broken. The reason why they used to break the bones of the people who were being crucified was because when you, this is one of the most painful deaths imaginable for any human being. You are nailed on a cross, your body hangs there, and within a certain amount of time, it becomes really difficult to breathe. All your joints are dislocated. You're hanging there and you're trying to push yourself up with your legs so you can breathe because your diaphragm is suffocating you. And at the end, they break your legs so you can't push yourself up to breathe and you suffocate after all the torment. But they did not break the legs of Jesus Christ because he gave his life. He gave it. Nobody took it. He gave it. And within the legs, we produce the blood. In our bones, our body produces blood. One of the reasons his legs were not broken is because there is endless resource of Jesus Christ's blood. Endless resource of his blood that heals us still today and gives us deliverance. These are just few of the many things that happened on the cross. He was even offered bitter wine while he was dying, and he refused. He had the opportunity to receive bitterness in the form of bitter wine because of what was happening. But he refused. He refused to receive bitterness, even though how he had been treated. This is our example. Jesus Christ, our example. 
You know, one of the things in the prophetic <clears throat> is uh, seeing in the spirit. We read about seers in the Bible. Uh, that's a little bit different than having visions and dreams. Uh, both Isabel and I are seers. The Lord has given us that gift. And I know that some of you are seers. And uh, one of the things he said, Jesus on the cross, he said, my enemies, in verse 12, he says, my enemies surround me like a herd of bulls, fierce bulls of Basan, having hemmed me in. There were no bulls on Golgotha, were there? The Bible doesn't talk about there were bulls there. But Jesus saw bulls. He said that on, in verse 22. No, in verse 12. In Psalm 22, that he saw bulls. Jesus is a seer of seers. And you know, Baal, that was the demon that was worshipped the most at that time. He, his statue was a statue of a bull. So he was seeing demons dancing around, thinking they had won. Yeah, but they didn't realize they had lost. When Jesus went down and he, I'm here for your keys. Took the keys. And not only that, but imagine the power that was released when Jesus gave up his life. The uh, veil was torn, and there came out so much life. There was so much life that was released. Not only did he open the door for us to come to the Father, but there was so much life released that the dead people rose from the graves. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the power? No, just imagine the power. Just focus on the power for a moment. The dead people rose from the graveyards. We just drove by a graveyard when we came here. Can you imagine if Jesus would have been crucified yesterday in this town? All the dead people in the graveyard were walking around now? It's surreal to imagine it. But that's what happened. But the best thing is, the Bible says, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, the power I'm talking about, lives within you. Now just think about it for a moment. This is not just a phrase. The same power that opened the graves is in you. And when we, as Christians, realize the power that we have and the enemy, the devil, knows that we know the power we have, he runs from you. He becomes really, really scared of you because he knows that you know the power that you have. You know, if you, was it yes, no, last year, I think, or a few, maybe two years ago, a demon came to my, <laughs> they're so funny, they think they can do something, came to my bedroom. <laughs> I woke up and, and <laughs> one of these little creators stood in the doorway looking at me. He couldn't get into my bedroom. And I don't know why, I just jumped out of the bed and I chased him down the hallway and then he vaporized there. And I've never seen a demon so scared <laughs> in my life. I don't know why I just jumped out of bed and, and, and chased him. 
but I was really angry. You're not, you're not supposed to be in my home. No way, Jose, that's not happening. No, no. Because you have the power and you have the authority. And can you imagine, you know, when I was prayed for, for the first time after I got saved, the first time someone laid hands on me, I could feel a demon, a snake, crawling in my stomach. And he came up, and my mouth opened up, and I could feel physically as a snake came out, and it was crawling on my tongue, and went out of me. I have never, ever experienced as much love in my life. The love of Jesus Christ that I experienced that moment, it was a demon of depression. And then I realized how much love the Limitless Ministry carries. When I realized I got rid of what I had been carrying, and I was free. How much love is that? I'm not saying that all depression is a demon. It can be physical as well. In my case, it was a demon. And I got set free. I didn't ask for it. It just happened. He just poured his love on me, and I got set free. So that power that you carry, that I was talking about, you have the authority to set people free. You have the authority to set people free. So be bold to use that authority. And you know, some of us, I'm going to finish with, with this. Now I'm going to be like a professional preacher. I'm saying I'm going to finish with this, and then I'm going to talk for an hour. <laughs> you know, we... Uh, Oh, I need to change to this one here. There is, a, how should I put it? There is anointing in this room today. The Lord is going to heal relationships in families today. There is a special anointing today to do that. I don't know why, but there is anointing today to heal broken relationships within families. Set families, put families together again where there has been brokenness in families. That's going to happen today for those of you who want to receive it. There are some people in the room now that need that anointing, that need that healing in their families. And the Lord is going to heal you and heal your family. You see, when we look at Jacob and Esau, the brothers, there was a family split. Per excellence, there was a big family split there. And Jacob, Joseph and his brothers, the brothers of Joseph the dreamer, they threw him in the well. They sold him into slavery. That's betrayal. That's stabbing in the back. That's stabbing in the back. That's betrayal. But when Jacob, Joseph's father, went with his family to meet Esau, his brother, after years and years of separation and conflicts, what did Jacob do? 
He put all his family behind him, standing at the river. Esau came on the other side of the river, his brother, and he expected him even to kill him because of what had happened. And Jacob went, walked into the river towards his brother, and he knelt before his brother to ask for forgiveness because he had stolen his birthright. So Jacob humbled himself in front of his whole family and his brother on the other side and asked for forgiveness. There is power in humility. There is power in humility. And his son, Joseph the dreamer, witnessed all of that. He saw his father set an example, humbling himself, asking for forgiveness within his family. That's what he showed his children. And there was reconciliation in the family. And later on, we see that when Joseph has become assistant, the second in command with Pharaoh, <clears throat> and all his family comes, his brothers come to ask for food, <sighs> Joseph forgives. He forgives his brothers, he forgives his family, and restores his family because of what he had seen his father do. His father set an example with humility and forgiveness. And you know, it says in Genesis 45, verse 7 to 8, Joseph said, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. That's quite a statement. God sent me here, Joseph says, to his brothers who tried to kill him and sold him into slavery. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of, the, of all of Egypt. That's what he says. So today, there's an opportunity for us to forgive and receive what the Lord has for us, for our families, if there is something that needs forgiveness or reconciliation in your family. That's one of the things the Lord's going to do today. Amen? So, if there is anyone that I'm talking to now regarding family, please raise your hand if you want me to pray for you. Okay? I would like to ask you with the permission of the pastor, to come up, line up here, if you would please, and I'm going to pray for you as a group. Yes. Isabel, will you come and be with me?
tasks. What I want to do is I'm just going to walk in front of you guys, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in tongues. I may lay hands on some of you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to do what I feel I'm supposed to do. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your healing anointing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Touch the hearts of these people, Lord, and come and make right things that have been made wrong, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray. Touch them, Lord. Touch them. Anoint them, Lord, to step forth in reconciliation and humility and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I just bless you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your blessing that comes now, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you for your, the authority that you have given us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just bless your people now, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we shall paralaramaki, or she kitirili mikasu kuturulurumakandara laramasi. Hallelujah. Shingataralaramaki. As I'm praying for you now, I'm just seeing ice thawing. I'm seeing, I'm seeing ice. I'm see, I, I just saw a lake filled with ice, and all the ice melted. And I saw this heavenly, beautiful, beautiful, clear water, water from heaven. Water from heaven coming over you guys. There's a wave of water coming over you now. In Jesus' name, receive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive a blessing from the Lord. In Jesus' name. Let your fire come now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill him with your fire, Lord, like never before, in Jesus' name. Open his ears like never before, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill her with her power, your power, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. She got her a lot of Makururumasi, Pirilimi Kampara Laramasi, Shukuturulurumaki. I thank you, Lord. Everything will be aligned again, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everything will be aligned again, in Jesus' name. Asukuturulurumaki, Shakatara Laramakiri, Laramasi, Ishi Pirilimi Kampara Laramasurumako, Shakatara Laramaki. Jesus, she paralaramaka santa taralaramaki. Shindirili mikandarulurumasi. Usha paparalaramaki shakataralaramakushi kitirili mikasu kotorulurumaki shakataralaramaki. Asundurulurumaki shikitirili mikitaki Jesus. 
Father, let your healing anointing come now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Love on your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Love on your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Come, my Lord. Oh, Lord, touch your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Peace of mind. I speak peace of mind in you. I speak peace in your mind in Jesus' name. All the confusion will go. All the confusion will go in Jesus' name. Peace. Peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, Father. I bless you in Jesus' name. Let your love come, Lord, like never before. Touch your people like never before. Feel free to go back to your seats if you're so inclined, or feel free to stay here if you want to.
There is such a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in the room today. His deep, deep desire is to bring healing into every area of our life. Is there anyone in the room today who has been thinking about taking his own life? Is there anyone in the room who's been fighting those thoughts, giving up? I would like to pray for you. Yes, I would like to pray for you guys. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The Lord spoke to me this morning and he wants to. Yeah. Is there anyone who has been? I will pray for that brother. But is there anyone in the room today who has been fighting those thoughts? Yes. It takes courage to admit it. It is it's nothing that we have done wrong. So if I may pray for you, if there's anyone else, could you please stand up? Let me pray for you. Is that okay? Anyone else? Please stand up and let me pray for you on his behalf. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Please stand up. You know, it is a spirit who torments us. When it comes to this, that we start thinking about these things, it's a spirit. It's a familiar spirit who is tormenting us. We are not any less, for lack of better knowledge of English language, we are not any less people than anyone else because of that. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against every suicidal thought. I come against the spirit of death. And I break you off, each and every person you have been attacking. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave now by the authority given to me for the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. And you will not come back. And I speak peace into your mind. I speak peace into your soul in the name of Jesus Christ. And I set you free. I cut off every chain in the name of Jesus Christ. You will not die, you will live. I speak life into you in the name of Jesus Christ. You will live and you will not die. You will live, your son will live. He will not die. In the name of Jesus Christ, he will live. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray.
name of Jesus, I set you free from any bondage in your life. I set you free from any generational curse in your life. I set you free from any witchcraft in your family line way, way back. I break that off you in Jesus' name, and I set you free in the name of Jesus Christ, and I plead the blood of Jesus over you. Spirit of death, you will leave. You will not come back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't the Lord lovely? He is so good. He is so good. Yeah. You know, he tried to kill me before I got saved. I was this close to committing suicide. He tried to kill me because he knew what was coming and he wanted me dead. And he just bombarded my thoughts and my brain for a long, long time. And even before I got saved, I lived in a house where it was a poltergeist and everything was crazy. Just before I got saved. But it didn't get me, as you can see. <laughs> because the one who is in me is stronger than the one in the world. Because I have my Lord, the creator of the universe, is the lover of my soul. The creator of the universe. So who am I to say that I am not worthy? I love this. Of course, I love you, honey. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't mean this when I pointed out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if I watch a painting on the wall and uh, somebody steps up beside me and I'm looking at the painting and I say, wow, that's an ugly painting. Whoever painted such monstrosity, the painter who painted this is standing beside me, beside me. How do you think he feels when I say this? He probably doesn't like me. But when I stand in front of the mirror in the morning and say, boy, am I ugly. Boy, I'm a, oh boy, I shouldn't have been born. Oh, that was a mistake. How do you think Jesus feels who made me when I say that about myself? Who am I to talk like that about myself to the creator who created me? Who am I to speak such rudeness to the painter who made that painting? It's the same thing. But the difference is I'm talking to the creator of the universe. When I'm putting myself down, I am putting him down for what he created, me. So who am I to speak like that to myself and about myself? So the next time you badmouth someone, remember that. You're putting down his creation. You're putting down a painting of the painter. So if I love Jesus Christ, how can I not love his children? What kind of love is that? 
Is that true love? I don't think so. I love you. Okay, now we're going to do some prophetic ministry. Okay, if we already prophesied over you, I need to ask you to please put your phones away because that will confuse me. So, if I haven't, if we are one of us, if we have not prophesied over you, then please have your phones out. But if not, please hide them. Help me out. I forget. And um, so, um, I'm going to. Um, do things a bit differently uh, this time in this session. And I'm going to call out some of the people for you to come up to the front and uh, line up here with me and with us and uh, we'll prophesy over you. That way, instead of um, calling you out in your seats, but before I do that, I do want to tell you, dear, the Lord has placed an amazing healing anointing within you. You are very pastoral. You are very loving at the heart of compassion the Lord has placed within you is very open. The enemy targeted your heart because he wanted to bring down, if he hits the most important part, he can do all kinds of damage. And you have a very soft, beautiful heart. But I heard the Lord saying a spirit of rejection came against you even before you were in your mother's womb. It's a generational thing. A generational curse where this spirit of rejection came and has been tormenting you throughout your life. And I heard Allah saying, dear, the season of torment has come to an end for you. And it's also going to come to an end for your family. For the Lord is going to use you to bring restoration into your household and your family. And you're going to see even the hand of God coming for salvation for your household. And the Lord says, dear, do not worry about the things that have been. Many times you look back a little bit, and you look back, and you look back. And so you get this kind of a stuck looking back. And Allah saying, dear, do not worry about the things that were before, for the Lord is going to build upon the things that are ahead and upon the new beginnings that the Lord is bringing into your life. There has also been a spirit of poverty that has robbed you, and the Lord is coming here to sow the, sow the hole in the pocket. He's going to eliminate a curse of loneliness, also abandonment that has been in your life, and the Lord is breaking that off of you. For the Lord says, dear, I'm going to bring contentment into your life, and even you're going to come into the time of being celebrated, when God is going to celebrate celebrate you, but also people are going to celebrate you, and people are going to notice you and recognize you. Yeah, you have so many talents, but you have felt abandoned and forgotten because of these things, not because of yourself or anything wrong that you have done. And I heard the Lord saying, yeah, there is areas of great restoration, lots of changes that are coming for you, and the Lord is going to connect you with people of influence and people who can actually, I uh, can offer you help in areas where you lack a little bit, where you have become weary. There's going to be those who are going to come with the help that you need to lift you up. And breakthrough is going to come for a handler saying, everything you have been asking for is in the, marked in the calendar of heaven. There you are very prophetic, and you actually are a fiery preacher. And you are going to see the preaching anointing arising within you and the testimonies and the stories that are going to bring breakthrough to many others and inspiration for your life is going to release inspiration to many others. A new wind of hope and refreshment is coming for you. Dear scripture says, having done it all, then we stand. And there's the time for you to stand. You have done all.
You have done more than all in your life over and over. It's time to rest, and God is going to take over, but others are going to help you. I saw people coming to lock arms with you, and this is the time when loneliness is going to end for you. Bless you, dear. Um, all right. Would you come? Would you like to join me at the front? Are you together? Yes. How many of you in this second row have I not? Have we not not prophesied over you? The second one. Okay. Can I? Will you all with your hands up like to join us at the front? about your ladies? Would you join us at the front? How about here? Did, I, did we prophesy over you? Yeah. Would you like to join at the front? Would you <laughs> join us as your wife? Would you both come? No, just the two of you right now. Would you come with me? Mm -hmm. Is that your wife? Yes. Would you guys join me at the front? Just the two of you for now. Would you like to join me at the front? Would you like to come with me? Would you like to join me? Would you guys like to join me at the front? Yeah. You can have our dog with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Would you would you like to come with me? Would you like to join me? Is that your wife? Would you ladies like to come with me? Would you both like to join me? What about me? Do I get a prophecy? Nope. 
Will you guys like to come? Will you both join me? Please. Um. So what I'm going to do is a bit different. I am not going to use the microphone because I'm going to move a bit faster. I will need you to have your recording devices ready, turned around, and if I reach my hand to you in either direction, please put it on my hand. Give it, hand it to me turned on. I will not press anything. I will not turn it on. So if you don't turn it on, it will not record. And... Um, but be ready. So please, don't, don't close your eyes and go into the zone because... <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I have a mint thing? Because I need uh, you to see if I am reaching for your, for your device to just give it to me, <laughs> yes. Just keep it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.